do it. Welcome to the Whiskey Boys Podcast. I'm Shane. And I'm John. And this is the podcast where there's stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks of whiskey bottles. That's what's up. (laughs) Not money. Not Not money. money. Not yet. (laughs) Not ever. (laughs) Not ever. Definitely never. Never. This is the podcast where if you've had a dream, we've talked about it. We've talked about the content of the dream, whether it was whimsical, sexy, or terrifying. We had a whole episode about dreams, didn't we? We had a whole episode that was just about dreams. Yes, you're not just talking like in theory. Like we've actually had an episode where we talked about dreams. We literally discussed your dreams. Have we discussed everything? Have we literally nailed every topic in 30 episodes? Like, are we that good? All I know is that anything that could ever go on in between a person's two ears, we've discussed. We've discussed. 100%. Oh. There's actually nothing left to talk about. Yeah. Oh. I think that's it. All right. That's the end. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining, folks. (laughs) You wave. (laughs) Bye. What? I was just going to pause for a long time so they would think that we left. Oh, okay. Here, let's do it again. They don't know. Uh, They don't know already. Already? already? There's nothing else to talk about. Okay. All right. Bye, everyone. Ah, we're still here. Ah, we are. We are. Uh, you thought for a second it was over, though. <laughs> this this is all we do. We sh- I should have yeah, started fading here. in the drums at at that spot. <laughs> fade in, fade them in, and then like, just like at like a weird like, just like cut them right when I go. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> that happens. That's that, that's gonna happen. People do that in that, TV shows, so I should I should do it there. Future Shane, if you're listening, do that. Stop drinking and pay attention and do that. Dude, the smell of this whiskey is just, it's it's bananas. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit later, but I'm I'm digging this. Realize for people listening, that could be confusing when you say the smell of this whiskey is bananas. No, I chose my words very carefully. I didn't say it smells like bananas. I said the smell is bananas. What smells better, bananas or banana bread? Mm. Dude, I love bananas. And I think I mean, don't they smell different? I, I do think too. banana bread definitely smells different. It does. I will say it, banana no, bread it, smells it sweeter. And it tastes I mean it tastes better. It tastes like a dessert, right? Like banana well, bread is like a dessert bread. Well, and it's it, not it, like, it smells baked. That's the thing. It smells yeah. it has that baked sort of smell. Right. Bananas smell Whereas fresh. Like, they have bananas yeah. have this sort of like freshness. Like they smell like they're cold, you know. Yeah. Like if you just mm-hmm. get a big whiff of bananas, it well, it's refreshing. It's definitely it is. And and you can and you can eat a banana in the morning and not feel guilty. If I eat banana bread in the morning, I'm gonna I'm gonna feel guilty about it. Do you, does your tongue itch when you eat a banana? Because mine does, <laughs> and so does my sister's. I think that means you're allergic. <laughs> it is. It does, but it's it's so slight. Yeah. So some people it's really bad, but for me it's like just a little bit. So like it, I, I do. I always have bananas on deck. Like I always eat them. Uh, I, I'm not but allergic to anything. I'm very fortunate. 
I'm only allergic to bananas. I've got good genes. I don't I don't have an allergic reaction to good literally genes. anything. Um yeah. I I need to tell you about something that I learned this Please. week that will probably come as no surprise to you, although the details may be surprising. I'm going to try to compress it down so that it's not so long. Um but uh y- you will be not surprised and then also surprised i think at at this um but basically i I came across a vulture article this week that was talking about how uh the beloved movie the emperor's new groove you know this movie you familiar with this movie yes david spade john goodman phenomenal warburton eartha kitt yeah phenomenal cast um phenomenal movie easily easily the funniest disney movie that's ever been made like i agree to that no nothing's even close what would be close i it well it was it was like way ahead not ahead ahead of its time as far as but it was like it stood alone it was like the only movie that came out that was like that and i can tell you exactly why it was originally supposed to be just like every other Disney movie in the 90s. It was called Kingdom of the Sun. And it was supposed to be sort of like a Prince and the Pauper thing where like uh, Cusco is in danger and he ends up getting switched with Pacha. And Pacha is like standing in as like the emperor. And then Yzma is like trying to blot out the sun. And she's also trying to like regain her youth and she's bringing like the dead back to life as like her army. And, and there's like a princess. So there's like a a romance thing happening as well between like Pacha and the princess, I think. And they worked on this movie for four years. And after four years, they did a screening with like a bunch of the studio people and it did not go well. And they were basically like, you have to try something different. And the director was like, I don't know what else I could do. I've poured my heart and soul into this thing. I don't know what we could possibly do now. And there were some other people on the team that were kind of thinking like, here's some other possibilities of stuff that we could try. So they basically did like a bake-off where like the director and some people like tried to make some tweaks to the movie and then these other people kind of came up with this new idea, which ended up being the Emperor's New Groove. And they like pitched their ideas, and the executives were like, This new thing is freaking hilarious. Let's go with that. The problem was that it was set to release one year after that. And damn. They had a Happy Meal deal with McDonald's, and they so they could not change the release date because they had to <laughs> stick with the Happy Meal deal. So they basically they made an entire new movie animation and everything in one year damn and it was the crazy like this this article was long dude this article took me like an hour to read uh it was like a long thing and it talked about how like just like there were like no bad ideas the writer's room was insane they were just like throwing stuff around but originally you could I'm going to give you just one guess as to who was supposed to play Pacha before John Goodman came in. And keep in mind, keep in mind that it was somebody who was not super well known, but is really famous now. 
and it was somebody small and skinny, similar to David Spade, versus like John Goodman being much larger and right, like actually yeah. almost like who he plays in right. Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, I mean, it was somebody like, that would be more shaped ca- like yeah. Cusco in because it was mm-hmm. a switcheroo thing. So, right, one guess. Somebody who, and I'll tell you this, it was somebody with somewhat of a drawl because they were living out. Oh, geez. Wait, is it like freaking Matthew McConaughey or something? It's not Matthew McConaughey, but you're not too Uh, far off. uh, Funnier. Jeez. Funny. Okay. Uh, How old? Like, are they similar age? age Yeah, to like Matthew McConaughey and stuff. I mean, I'm thinking like a, well, like an Owen Wilson. That's who it was. Owen Wilson. No it shit. Was, Pacha was oh. supposed to be Owen Wilson. <laughs> you know, that makes sense, though, because Owen Wilson has actually done a lot of animation stuff. Yeah. Like, and because he's got that very unique voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a, you know. He wasn't well known at the time, though. He had, he had like, yeah. he had like one movie that had done well at that point. So, like, he wasn't anything like, and so they had him in. He, I'm pretty sure he recorded like a bunch of lines. Uh, David Spade had recorded like a ton of stuff already because yeah. he was always Cusco. Eartha Kit was always Yzma. Kronk did not exist. Dude, Kronk. Kronk didn't exist like... until, dude, they cre- They were thinking that they wanted to have a character kind of like Kronk or the, the new director was because the mm-hmm. old director stepped out. He said, like, I'm going to let you guys take this, but I, like, I have no creative stake in this new project because I cannot unsee what I've been working on for four years. So it was a new director and everything. This new director was like, we should put bring in like this kind of like hunky like henchman guy. And so they're he's trying to pitch it and they're like, We don't really need somebody like that. Like, we don't need that. Like, we've got Yzma, she'll be great. That's all we need. And uh he did the he went home and wrote the dinner party scene. With Kronk, oh, okay. like, yeah. just obsessing over the dinner the whole yeah. time and not yeah. caring about the poison not stuff. About and yeah. he brought that in, and <laughs> and they were, like, rolling on on the floor. It, they thought it was so funny, and they were like, okay, well, you got Kronk. And they, and they casted that yeah. Kronk perfect. Yep. I mean, perfect. There's, I mean, only maybe one or two other people that could have actually pulled off. They said they never you know. even really considered anybody else. They were they were yeah. like Patrick Warburton would be great because he he yeah. was known he was only known for Putty at that point, right? From, okay, from Seinfeld. That was the only right. thing they knew him from, and they were like, yeah, he would be perfect for this. And so they brought him in, and he was great. But like, dude, this movie, Kingdom of the Sun, it it was a musical. Like it was literally a, a Disney musical, it, just it like all these Disney. other Disney movies. Yeah, like Aladdin and the Lion King and stuff. Like. They were just trying to do yet another kind of cultural movie, but with like Inca stuff. Yeah. And uh, so like you had like Yzma and Cusco, like with like whole songs that they were singing in the movie and stuff. Like there were there's recordings of Yzma singing like a full song from this thing. Yeah. And well, they had they brought in Sting. Did they really? Sting Sting was basically going to be the Elton John of Kingdom of the Sun, just like Elton John did with The Lion Lion King. King. He they had him write. He wrote all these songs for that movie, and then they ended up using the Las Vegas sounding one at the beginning, Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, that they had Tom Jones sing. They did that. They used that one, and then he has a song in the credits that he sings, mm. and that's it. <laughs> and all these other songs, they just ended up scrapping I mean, them. They didn't even put them in the movie because they made it basically kinda, like a sketch comedy movie instead. It's kind of funny though because when you when I think about Disney movies, I I don't think of Emperor's New Groove. I think of right. Aladdin. Cinderella, like I think of like the old, like the Disney movies, mm-hmm. you know, and in current Disney movies, but Emperor's New Groove, it was like its own thing. Yeah. And, and so they did, I mean, I'd say they nailed it as far as trying to go different. Um, and it, I mean, dude, that has to be like one of the, I would assume that's one of the higher grossing Disney movies. Nah. Uh, at least up until, like, obviously now you have Star Wars and stuff that's probably, I mean, just the amount that goes into these movies now, I, probably, I don't know. I don't think it did better than any of the other Disney animated films. Like, really? in terms of, like, the, like, feature animated films, not, like, sequels and stuff, but, like, just the feature ones. Yeah. I don't think it did better. It had a horrible opening. It made, like, $9 million on opening, which is But, I mean, terrible. now, like, culturally. Well, culturally, it has, like, it has really in, stood in the overall. test of time, and, like, it has a really, has, like, kind of, like, a cult following now. Disney was well, like then they made the well because then they made the show out of they it. made a sequel and then they made a show and those those both did really well and stuff and like yeah. they they were great but Disney was basically like we're never making a movie like that again like <laughs> we're never doing that again and they basically only made it because they had their back up against the wall and they had to make something and, and they, yeah the the thing was when they brought on Sting and he signed on his wife was like hey, what would you think about me doing a documentary about Sting working on a Disney movie? So there's a whole... And so they did. They, For whatever reason, Disney was like, we want to get Sting, so yeah, let's do it. So she filmed like tons of stuff with like a camera crew and everything. And there's like a whole documentary. It's called The Sweat Box. And it's this horribly honest documentary about the making of a Disney animated film in the late nineties. And it showed it like a couple festivals after it was done. And then Disney swiped it and was like, we're not letting anybody see this ever again. Cause this is like too honest and like not Damn. flattering for the company. And so I guess it, it'll pop up on YouTube and like torrent sites every now and then, but like the lawyers try to snatch it back pretty quick, but like, Damn. And, and so yeah, I mean, it's they basically were just like, let's just come up with whatever we can. They were like, all right, well, we got to get somebody that's the opposite of Cusco. We'll get John Goodman to be this like big, like llama herder guy instead. We'll bring in Kronk to be like the the you know the odd couple with Isma, and then their writers' room was just insane, just like jokes on jokes on jokes, like. The whole thing with like her falling and then the trampoline, you know, like it's oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. cat Isma and she cat, like yeah. lands. Well, mm-hmm. and it and it's like for the last time, we did not order a giant trampoline. You know what, pal? You could have told me that before I set it up. And then she bounces <laughs> off of it. Like literally, first idea is what it said in the article. Like, you know, it's all these like quotes from like different people that were interviewed for the article and stuff. And it was like we were trying to figure out, like, she's falling. Like, what do we do? She can't just go splat. Like, what are we going to do with her? 
And somebody was like, what if there was just a trampoline salesman down there? And there's a trampoline. She bounces off it. And they were like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like literally first idea. They're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> like moving on, yeah. you know, like insane. Absolutely insane. That's crazy. And it just makes me appreciate the movie even more. Yeah. It makes you appreciate what or realize what it could have been. But see, I wonder about that. Like, <clears throat> it brings up an interesting point of a lot of movies. You know, when you wonder what would a movie be like if it was casted different or when they say, oh, we yeah. almost had so-and-so for the part, you'd have been like, oh, like, right. That would have, or movies that didn't do well, what if they were casted different? Yeah, totally. You know, or like <clears throat> that new, uh, well, not new, but that one, I don't know why it was like all of a sudden suggested on YouTube, but um, it was like those interviews, those like quick interviews with actors now, like they're doing them during quarantine. Oh, sure. And uh, it was one with Will Ferrell, and it was saying like it was a it was him talking about how he thought for sure during the filming of Elf that his career was over. He was like, "This is the dumbest movie." He's like, "There's no way." He's like, "I just ruined my career." He said there was one point where he was wearing like the full getup, the tights. He's doing the stupid scene. It was like one of the whatever scenes, and he was like, "This is it. I just tanked my entire career." And that was the single greatest movie he's ever made. Like that's the that's the movie yeah. that has made him legendary yeah and he's like you just don't know like what it's gonna do until so that kind of going to like emperor's new groove it's like who would have known that that, <laughs> that formula of writers actors the time limit i'm sure that had a big part to play right like yeah. crunch time they were just like oh, shit yeah. like we're just throwing <laughs> yeah because uh, and it worked one of the guys was saying he was working on tarzan after that or like during the same time, he was also working on Tarzan and it was like five o'clock and they, was like, they were like, all right, like we're going home. He's like, what do you mean? Like we're going to lunch or dinner? And they're like, no, like workday's over. We're going home. He's like, okay, I don't understand. Like working on New Groove, we literally work nonstop. Like when I'm on that project, I work nonstop. I don't understand how you could just be like five o'clock, we're going home. But it's because they still had years to make the movie, so they're just like, right. yeah, you know, we're on a timeline. It's fine, you know. Yeah. And unlike Emperor's New Groove, where they had like, they had like a third of Kingdom of the Sun animated already, like fully animated, and they just like had to throw it all Damn. out. They had spent $40 million already on that movie and they threw the whole thing out. They kept, they kept the characters and kept like a lot of the design and stuff, but they made it a little more wacky and, uh, you know, had to, had to legendary re-record everything. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. What might've been like, it might've just been, it could have easily ended up being just another sort of like, epic but also not particularly like interesting disney movie you know like it yeah. could have been another um you know lion king or something where you're like yeah this is a great movie but it doesn't have me like splitting my sides you know yeah i used to watch emperor's new groove over and over like when it came out i was 10 and i thought it was just the funniest thing i had ever seen that was a big yeah. year for me because SpongeBob came out and Emperor's New Groove. The 
Oh yeah, that was that was the premiere. That was series premiere of SpongeBob 2010. Or I'm sorry, uh, 2000. You're 2000. Yeah. yeah. I was 10 years old and I saw Bubble Buddy and I was like, this show is genius. You're like, this is it. Yeah, I, I like the world. The wor- my life can't possibly get any better. And little did you know, it really couldn't. No, like, I peaked. You realize that the height of our lives was actually when, like, we were enjoying the SpongeBob movie. Because, like, I remember when the SpongeBob movie came out. It was right before we went on a family vacation because I watched it, and then we bought the movie, and then we had those like remember yeah, like, yeah. the DVD player that you strapped to the headrest of the cars, <laughs> yeah. and like yeah. we, I was sitting there and just watched SpongeBob like two times over yeah. in the car on the way to California. And I was like, this is this is the height of my life. And really it was. Yeah. Like there was nothing better than driving to California when I knew I was going to spend like 14 days on the beach. Someone else is driving the car. You don't even have to yeah, worry about I have, that. I have unlimited snacks and I'm watching SpongeBob. Literally heaven. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that, was, that was it. Here, here we are. Ugh. That's crazy though. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, that's interesting. You know, I'll send you the article, you know, if you feel yeah. like reading it because it's, it is illuminating. Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. So, um, what, uh, Ooh. what you drinking tonight? What do you got? So, so I got two things. One, I got 805, a nice, a nice brew. Love it. Um, yeah, I, it's just, you know, it's just good. You know, um, it, it's just, it's easy. Okay. Is 805 a lager? Um, is that what it is? I don't, I, I believe so. It tastes like it. Does it say um, on there? I don't anywhere? actually know what, it doesn't actually. I'm pretty sure it's like a lager because it, it. Oh, it's an ale. It's an ale. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. Like I said, it know, tastes pretty. I, I, for me, most of those, like to me, there are three types. Well, four types of beers. Yeah, you have like ales and lagers and whatnot. Okay, like you have the mm-hmm. lighter beers, and then you have what I just consider like porters and stouts. I don't care. I don't taste the difference between the two. Like I like really? porters and I like stouts. Oh. I just like them both. I just drink them both. Like, I mean, I'll I feel like notice there's a the big difference between them. See, well, that's the thing is like, I know that there's a difference between them, but to me, I'll drink, like, sure, I'm yeah. not going to say, I mean, say, they definitely oh. sit in the same family, you know? Yeah, they sit, you know, darker beers and yeah. stuff, whatever. And then you have IPAs, and then you have the hazy IPAs, because the hazy sure. IPAs are my shit. But And then Imperial IPAs. Yeah, see, I, well, yeah, that's true. Those are good, too. IPAs, I guess, could be on just, like, so maybe there's three types. And double IPAs. <laughs> Dude, screw that shit. <laughs> Dude, some of those IPAs get freaking ridiculous. Anyway, um, all right, and so then you got the so the, the whiskey, yeah. So, so the whiskey I'm drinking tonight is courtesy of my parents because my mom bought two bottles um, because both of these bottles won whiskey of the year 2020, and it was it is the it's called Uncle Nearest, Ooh, and it is this is 1884, and then I believe it's 1856 is their uh, is the other bottle that my mom bought. This is the cheaper one. It's like 45 bucks. The other one's like 65. Um, and I was just reading the back of it. Actually, it's really kind of cool. So it, um, Uncle Nearest 1884 is the proud legacy of the best whiskey maker in the world ever known distilling whiskey in Tennessee. And his name was Nearest Green. So Uncle Nearest. That's where they got that from. And the makers of this our direct bloodline still. So the master distiller of this is a direct descendant from nearest green. So wow. it's still like in that family. So um, really cool. And actually I haven't tried it yet. I've only been drinking the beer. So this is the first time I'm, I'm trying it. So here we go. 
He's swirling it. Oh, dude. Oh, baby. Okay, I've got... Okay, that is a... Now, I don't know if it's because I've been drinking this beer mm-hmm. that it kind of like jacked my palate up. But instead of smooth, because I, I hate describing a whiskey as smooth, right? Because like there's so many other words that you could try to come up with. Sure, right? yeah. This one, it's almost not in taste, but in texture, it's almost like creamy. It's almost Ooh. like it's almost like a like a like a thick, not thick, yeah. not like yeah. gross thick, but like yeah, dude. Wow, damn, that's pretty impressive. Like I said, I don't know. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna actually not drink the beer for a little bit. I'm gonna keep drinking that. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, it's 93 proof. The, which is 46 and a half percent alcohol. The other one that was more expensive was 100 proof. Um, so 50 percent alcohol. Uh, but yeah, it's a great color. I mean, it's yeah, as you can see. Yeah, it's I love a really that good color. Um, cool bottle. I mean, it's like the you know square, mm-hmm. but it's like a little Kinda bit dark. Different, and, you yeah. know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, really cool. So yeah, that's that's the new one. Uh. I'm gonna bring that back to my parents tomorrow. I don't wanna. I'm not gonna keep this. It's it's a good whiskey that my dad and I'll probably enjoy over there. But, um, I just my mom was like, "Hey, you should take this one for the podcast tonight." I was like, "All right, cool." I was like, nice. Okay, okay, mom, wow. twist my arm. That's pretty. Fine. Uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> mom's you, mom's adding a a little bit of flavor to the podcast. Right. Have we managed to go what through the, all of the whiskey bottles that are in your house? No. no not all of them because there's a few really expensive ones i know we haven't done yeah yeah there's actually there's one specific one that i don't think we've done yet that uh maybe i'll have to break that one out soon and then yeah there's there's a couple others that we haven't done but yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of i would be redoing a lot of them you know yeah i have like four point. bottles of whiskey in my house so i'm definitely redoing which i guess i should mention what i'm drinking yeah, that's what I was just going to say uh, is what are you drinking? I, I'm drinking um, the, the Gentleman's Water, a.k.a. White Claw. The Gentleman's Water? That seems weird. That sounds a little weird, but, I mean, we'll roll Party it. water. Party water? That's far worse. <laughs> that's, that's, that's so much worse. Uh, I can't think of another one. It's delicious. Ruby grapefruit style, <laughs> ruby grapefruit flavor, and I'm I'm just drinking Spayburn Spayside, mm-hmm. single malt, Scotch whiskey aged ten years. Uh, it's a, a classic Spayside malt. I was drinking it last week. So if you are a horrible person who didn't listen to last week's episode, but you're now listening to this one, uh. I don't know those people even exist. Yeah, I didn't realize anybody like that existed, but if you are listening to it right now, I guess you do exist. And wow. Wow. Grow up. Grow up. Listen to a podcast in sequence. Jeez, we don't have that many episodes. Most of them aren't that long. Look, go back to season one, okay? Yeah. Look for it. It's in there. Look for season one. Just keep scrolling until you find it. Yeah, you'll find it. I promise. Speyside is, it It just has this, we talked about it last week, but it just has this, uh, or Spay Burn, just has this sort of um, freshness to the, to the, to the whiskey that, that um, makes it really enjoyable to drink. And it actually goes really well with White Claw. 
because White Claw is very fresh. You know, it's 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 alcohol, but it's not really alcohol forward, not super alcohol forward. It's very refreshing, and then the Spavern is as well, which is weird because I feel like anybody who doesn't drink whiskey on a regular basis would drink this and be like, "What do you mean refreshing? That's so weird." Right, it makes no sense. Well, but it does. You know what's interesting too? I don't think. We mentioned we've mentioned this. I feel, but you know what? I don't even know if we've talked about it on the podcast. But that's one thing with Irish or Irish with Scotch that they pride themselves on is the water that they distill with. Is like yeah, the quote unquote like to them the purest water sure. that you can distill with, and that's really why you find our, so many distilleries here in America on shorelines and on riverbanks, you know, mm-hmm. literally in Tennessee. I mean, yeah. you know, the Buffalo Trace Distillery that distills, you know, they have nine or ten different, you know, brands coming out of there. It's literally on a riverbank because that's your freshest water. So, but it's interesting because, yeah, scotch, is that's like their thing. You know, it's like the water that we use. So you almost wonder, like, that might have a big reason why you find it refreshing because, like, if somebody handed me this glass and said, and they used the words clear, fresh water, and then I took a sip, I would immediately think, yep, I get what you're, I get what you're talking about. Like, there's something that reminds me of, like, clear, fresh water when I drink it. Um, yeah. Which is just weird, because it's obviously, like, alcohol it's like straight alcohol yeah. and i like it's mostly yeah yeah it's, um, like, it's almost mostly alcohol it's almost <laughs> it's almost it's almost mostly halfway alcohol yeah exactly <laughs> yeah 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 that okay so well that's what we're drinking and then we're going to continue yeah. doing that we are and uh we're going to spend a little bit of time tonight talking about Paradox. And I paradoxes. This is I actually found a really good image of a paradox. Are you saying a paradox? No, paradox. Are you gonna show me a fucking picture of a duck right now? You piece of shit. <laughs> you see what I mean? Wait. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a paradox. It's literally two rubber duckies, one with a blue hat, one with a green hat. Paradox. I mean, there's a dude. The way you said that, I was like, "Motherfucker, you better not show me a paradox." I felt like I had to say it oh once. My I shouldn't have said it. I should have just said paradox no. and then showed well, it to you, and then you would have been like, "That's no. not a par." That's what I wanted, and I fucked it up because what I wanted no, was honestly. to show it to you and have you be like, "That's not a paradox. That's a pair of ducks." No, no, it's it's actually better. It was actually better the way you did it because I caught on to it, but then you still showed me the. Paradox. I had to. I had to. Before we started I recording, you, well, I was sitting here looking on my iPad for a good picture of a pair of ducks for like so long, and you're like, "All right, are you ready?" And I'm like, "Okay, I'm ready." Oh, that's what you were doing. That's yeah. what I was doing. Well, because well, like I thought maybe you just like maybe <laughs> were thinking that the word paradox is really like paradox, like. Maybe that's how it's pronounced. So, like, that's why I was like, did you just call it a paradox? Like, wait, what? 
No, that was good. Don't worry. That was that was funny. Stupid idiot. We'll put it up on the on the Instagram <laughs> for everyone to see the the picture of the paradox. You yeah. You can send it to me if you don't have the login still. Uh um, oh yeah, I'll have to get signed in. Um listen, I, what are we doing here? What is this? What is it? What is what? What is this what is this conversation is, about paradoxes? All right. So, par- so the reason why paradoxes are so fun, and this is why I thought they'd be fun for a podcast episode of Whiskey Boys, because by the time we get to the end, we're probably going to be a little tipsy. And paradoxes just totally mind F your brain, because they're things that just don't... Logically, yes, we can think about them, but the more you think about them, the more they don't make sense. Like the, the mm. way that the paradox works. And the best way to explain a paradox is by giving an example of a paradox. I would love to hear so, it. Yeah. So I have four paradoxes, okay? So we can just take like the first one and we'll just roll with it. Okay. Now, they're not in any particular order, but we're going to start with the one that I think is the easiest to understand, and it's the one that requires the least amount of like thinking. Okay. okay. And then you'll get the idea of a paradox, and then we can go from there. Okay. So this one is called the... Um, the par- it's it's the paradox of the heap or the uh serities or the sorities paradox okay okay it goes like this you have you have a heap of sand comprised of a million one million single grains of sand okay okay you remove you remove one grain you remove a single grain of sand okay you still have a heap of sand correct yeah with that logic, you continue, okay, until you have one piece of sand left. Now, based on the logic, you're still left with a heap of sand. So that brings to that that brings to light one of two things: either a heap of sand is one piece of sand, one grain of sand, or there was no such thing as a heap of sand to begin with. Because at what point does does removing one grain of sand no longer become a heap. Mm. I see. I see. Okay. Now, again, this one is not super in-depth. This is a very baseline one, but this just gives you an idea of what a paradox is. I, I Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like right off the bat, I start to see some issues with this because okay. a heap is relative, usually to your own size. And and it really comes down to your definition of a heap. Right. But, I mean, just like... Just like if you had a dozen eggs, eventually, like, when you take basically just one egg away, you no longer have a dozen. There's a certain point right. where a heap becomes not a heap anymore. Right, but at what point does that was that what you call it whatever you want? You call it a mound of sand, it doesn't matter. Like what you call it, the heap doesn't really matter. It's really the the concept behind the fact of removing a single piece of sand is as insignificant as it is. At what point does it no longer become what you originally had named it? Just by removing a single grain of sand. See what I mean? Yeah. The more you start thinking about it, the more it starts. Like it, yeah. It, and that's the thing too. Is like you can you can always poke holes in a paradox, but at the same time, you kind of are like, wait, hold on, yeah. Like, 
All right, give me another one. I want to. I want to hear another one because the right. keep one. Another one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, like I said, that was that was a very basic one. Now this one is really this one is really kind of interesting, and it's called the Fletcher's paradox. Okay. Okay. And it's about motion. All right. Okay? So this one is really fucking cool. I like this one a lot because it's like totally absurd and it's totally stupid, but it's really kind of fucking cool. Okay. Okay. So an archer draws back his his bow, releases an arrow. Okay. That arrow is flying through the air. It has motion. It is flying through the air, obviously. Yeah. Right? If you take a snapshot in time, boom, that exact moment in time, okay, you just stop that arrow midair, okay? Yeah. For it to have motion, that means that it has to go from where it is now to its next position, okay, in time. Yeah. So if you take that snapshot in time and you go to the next snapshot in time, the arrow can't move in a still moment of time. So if you go to the next very moment in time, how is it possible for the arrow to go from where it was to where it is going to be to have motion if it can't move in that single snapshot in time? Wait. The, the arrow was in motion until you take a snapshot no you're just you just just imagine you can pot you can look at you, can, you can look at each individual moment of that arrow's flight trajectory yeah of that arrow's flight path right right so you just take an individual moment just a, just a very brief moment of where it is in time yeah it can't move in that section as you're looking at it you it can't move because you're looking at it at that very moment yeah but for it to get to its next place to travel with motion, you go to the next snapshot in time. But it can't move in that time because you're sitting there watching it still. See what I'm saying? So how do you have motion? I'm con- I might be like a little bit lost on this one because I'm not totally understanding. Like My thought would be if time can only continue like if like if you're if you're god and you can somehow be completely outside any sort of time but because like if you can move from one spot to the next in time then there's no way for the snapshot that you were looking at to not change as you're looking at the next snapshot but why if you're if you're looking at a snapshot of something, yeah, it's there. I guess I'm not getting a good in that visual time. representation of what you're talking about. Like, am I would I, would I be thinking of this as like photos? Like like a, yeah, you can think of it as like, a photo. like a photo. You're just you're just looking at it literally like milliseconds of time. I mean, you just just think about it like just literally you're taking an instant of anything, right? Sure. Anything it does, it can just they use the arrow because it's like an easy yeah thing, yeah sure you know, but I take a bottle and I throw the bottle <laughs> you throw the and bottle then I press in, pause in, in any particular moment it stopped and for it to have motion across a period of time it has to be traveling from one point that it was already to the next and then from that moment to another but at each individual snapshot of time it is not traveling. So when is it traveling? I don't 
See, but also, but here's the thing about a paradox too. And this is what you have to understand about a paradox is again, they're completely absurd. There, because of course we have motion. I'm not arguing that the motion doesn't exist, right. and that's not what the yeah, paradox yeah, yeah. is arguing. Right. And and some paradoxes deal with like numbers, and they get really confusing. Some of them are like stupid long, and quite frankly, they just get really annoying trying to figure out. Um, you know, but like this one, but this is just some of them are a little bit easier to understand, like the heap of sand, right? Like, yeah, yeah, the heap of sand. Yeah, I get. And then because I can visualize that this one, I, have, I I feel like I'm not visualizing like it. I guess it just comes down to like what what time is. Okay. I, I guess I I get what you're saying. Like like if you're freezing it, it's no longer technically in motion because nothing is in motion at that moment. Right. Exactly. So think of that. So keep that train of thought that you're on. You can't think it's of it because obviously, again, motion exists. Right. So you can't and you can't look at the like reality as it is and before you, you have to look at it as though, OK, you're taking an exact moment in time and you're freezing it. Boom. But then you take the next very moment in time. How does it travel between those two? You know what I'm saying? Like, am I not creative? <laughs> am I too logical? Maybe I'm not creative. Well, See, and that's the interesting thing too, though, is that there are certain people who would listen to a par- any. Par- you could pick any paradox. I know people in my own life. I'm not going to name names, but they're like they're way too logical about things, where they just go, "That's totally stupid. That's that makes no sense." And it's like, well, right, but like, I feel like that's there's what a I'm reason doing right now. I feel like that's what well, I'm doing. Well, get out of your shit. Wow. And start start having more drink more. I'm just not a creative person, John. All right, we're gonna do. All right, we're gonna do an easy one. Okay, not an easy one. Well, this is an easy one to understand, but this one, because paradoxes again range from so many different things. Maybe I should have started with this one to to explain like better what a paradox is, because this one you'll be able to grasp no fucking problem. I okay. guarantee it. Is, is this, this the rock one? Sp- no. Okay. What the rock one? I don't know about the rock one. You know the whole. Isn't there a paradox that's like, uh. Is it possible for God to create a rock that he can't move? Oh, that's an immovable object? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that, that is one of them, yes. That's like a paradox, right? Yeah. Because he, he can't right, create anything, but then he can, if he, he can, can do anything, yeah, he's, then how he's all he... powerful. Yeah. So he should be able to create a rock that he can't move, but then that also shows that he's not all powerful because he created a rock that he couldn't move. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. See? Okay. I'm back in, John. I know I know what paradoxes are again cuz I re- okay. I remembered that one. <laughs> right. Just, well, and the other I one actually the one I was just yeah. the one I was just going to tell you yeah. is along that same line where it's it's two contradictory statements. See, that's the thing. So paradoxes can be different kind of like ways of thinking of things. Yeah. That is a that is one of the common ones where there's two things that are contradictory. Okay. The the Fletcher one is not a contradictory one that's not a contradictory paradox that's not me saying one thing is this way another is this way so therefore they are fighting each other that one is just how can you have something doing something you know again like in the the whole arrow argument so that's that's another thing to i guess realize sure but yeah all right yeah (laughs) all right so okay what What well i was just gonna say like I could see like sort of this thing where you like 
you're basically saying like if you could take a picture of something that's in motion you could effectively erase the motion from the thing right which that's basically all it's saying it's 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 a it's a way of yeah essentially just eliminating motion from something that is in motion and was traveling from one space to another okay yeah i can kind of i get that okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. But 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 where but where it gets confusing and where it becomes kind of a paradox is when you take two of those images and you put them literally side by side. That's what I'm trying to say is you put them side by side. How like if you keep stacking those on top of each other, how can you get motion if they're all individual screenshots? How is it moving through time if it's all individual screenshots? Mm. Maybe I didn't do a good job explaining mm. it the first time. I, yeah, I think I, I, I'm still. You started. You start to lose me again, even when you start talking about that, because I'm like, well, I, like, I just, I, I don't get that's it. How it's I'm just, I'm, that's, I'm, that's how it's supposed I'm to be. You're gonna, not. You have to understand. That's the idea of a paradox. You think about that rock and the god one. Yeah. It 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 eventually confuses you to where you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't actually understand like how that works. Like I don't get how. But somehow that one I can uh, I can get because it is the contradictory statements. But okay, just right. give me. An, I'm gonna I'm gonna drink a bunch of All this right. white claw like more than I should in one drink just while you're it. while you're telling me. All right. So this one, <laughs> wow, you're chugging. All right, cool. Um, this one is called the um, Epimedes uh, paradox or the liar paradox. Okay. Okay. So this one, you have a postcard. On it, you have two statements. You have one on the front, one on the back. Okay, or just one, one on one side, one on the other. Yeah. Statement A, okay, says the statement on the other side of the card is true. Statement A, the statement on the other side of the card is true. Okay. You flip it over. Statement B says the statement on the other side of the card is false. So for that statement to be true, the statement on the other side... Uh would have to be false. Yes. So at what point you can go around and around literally almost forever. Yeah. No, forever. Yeah. Which one is true and which one is false? Right. That's like the thing in the labyrinth. Sort of. Where it's like where it's like um you remember it's the do you, do you ever see the labyrinth? Mm-mm. You never saw the labyrinth? Mm-mm. There's not a lot of times where the difference in our of. age comes through but this is one of them because i'm pretty sure just that five what are we five years apart or four How old are you? uh I'm a, You're 30 I'll, I'll be 31 next month i'll be 27 in july so yeah we're four like years four years apart like four years apart apparently that's enough david bowie what's her name i don't remember her name um I should remember her name. But there's two guards guarding a door. They're they're guarding two doors. And they basically, it's like, one of us is lying, one of us is telling the truth. You have the option to ask one of us one question to figure out which is the right door to go through. Right. It's basically like that. It's, yeah. it's similar to that, where it's like, it, yeah. if you don't know there, which one's lying, which one's telling the truth, yeah. then... There's actually, yeah, there's another more complex paradox that deals with that, like, uh, truth to lying, 
um, that that does get a little more complex because then you're dealing with people's answers and stuff. Right. But this is basic. This is so there. There is actually like when you look at this one, mm-hmm. the next one that follows it is the more complex like truth to lying, whereas this one is more of just a statement saying true or false. So really think about that one. So for statement A to be true, right? The statement mm-hmm. on the other side of the card is true. Yeah. If that's true, then it's telling you that the statement on the other side of the card is false. So then that means right. A is false. Yeah, yeah. So that, but <laughs> B is not true then. This just, some, this just makes me think of that. You watch Parks and Rec, right? When, when, uh, no, I mean, I'm not really, but what? I, you, we've definitely gone over this before on the podcast. I haven't seen Parks and Rec. Sometimes I hate you so much. Great. I just that's also just not news to me. Stand d- the things that you choose to be. Okay. That you My just wouldn't wouldn't Scott. watch the funniest show other than The Office that was on NBC around the same time. Anyway, there's a thing, and it doesn't matter. It's not important. It's not important because what what are we doing it for the listeners? No. Screw those guys. Next paradox. Let's hear it. What's the next one? I like the card you're one. Not, you're not. The card okay. one makes sense to me. All right. So this one, this one, I can already tell you're not going to like it, but I'm going to say it anyway because I like because I can already tell where this is going. You don't like paradoxes because you're a very logical person and you're going to poke holes in almost any one. So you're going to poke holes in this I, one saying you don't like I it. I promise I won't poke any holes anyway. in it. I won't. No, no, no. You're going to. I, I already... No, I, no, no. I already know that you're going to say that's stupid. But the thing is, is the way you think about it, it matters. And that's what makes it a paradox. Is Because like there's some of them that are just stupid. I agree. Okay. But this one, I thought this one was pretty cool. And this one was put up by a... Um, it's called the Raven Paradox. Have you ever heard of it? It's, it's one of the most famous paradoxes, actually. I guess it's like... When, like, they've made, like, like a lot of books reference this, and, like, movies, I guess, have had it, like, as a... So, I don't know. Maybe you already know it, kind of, but yeah. anyway. So, the Raven Paradox was created by a German... Um, I don't know how it's pronounced, but I think it's uh, logician. It's, like, logic-ition. Like, I, don't, I think it's pronounced logician. Yeah. Le- it's literally logic with I-N-A. Logician. Or I-A-N. Yeah, logician. Yeah, logician. logician? Yeah, I don't know. Sure. So he was like some German logician, I don't know, who proposed this in the mid-1940s. Uh, the Raven Paradox begins with the apparent and straightforward um, true statement that all ravens are black, right? All ravens are black. Pretty fucking obvious, okay? Then the second statement is matched with a logically... Um, counterpositive, which is a negative and contradictory statement, okay? And this statement is, everything that is not black is not a raven, okay? So, the first statement is, every raven is black, and then the second statement is, everything that is not black is not a raven, we can agree on that. Yeah. Because if all ravens are black, then not every, you know, everything that is not black is not a raven. So despite seeming like a fairly unnecessary point to make, um, it, also, it also is true given that we know all ravens are black. 
So what Hempel, the guy that created it, argues that whenever we see a black raven, this provides evidence to support the first statement. Um, but by extension, whenever we see anything that is not black, like an apple, he uses an apple as an example, this too must be taken as evidence supporting the second statement. After all, an apple is not black, therefore an apple is not a raven, because it is not black. Okay? So, the paradox it, um, here is that Hempel has apparently proved that by seeing an apple as evidence, it shows, or I'm sorry, let me, let me read that different. Um, I'm going to confuse myself. So it says, the paradox here that Hempel has apparently proved that seeing an apple provides us with enough evidence, no matter how unrelated it may seem, that a raven is black. Based on just those two statements. Just following those two statements. All ravens are black. Anything that is not black is not a raven. And so by seeing an apple as unrelated and as unnecessary as it is, that provides evidence that both those statements are true. It's much like, this is the equivalent to saying, you live in New York is evidence that you don't live in L.A., or saying that you're 30 years old is evidence that you are not 29. So the point here is how much information is actually in a single statement. How much information are you implying by saying a single statement? So the apple is red, subtext, all ravens are black, and the apple is not a raven. Right. And how much information, that's one of the most famous paradoxes. This lamp is black. Period. No, no, no. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Everything that is not black is not a raven. Everything that is black is unrelated to this paradox. Other right, than because ravens. that's not... Right, because all ravens are black, but having that contradictory statement of, Everything that is not black is not a raven. So it's showing that, okay, this highlighter that I have right here is green. Therefore, it proves that ravens are black. And that, and that obviously the and highlighter that, is not a raven. That the highlighter is not a raven. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I guess I don't understand how that's a... Paradox? What is a paradox? Wait, I'm gonna. I, do you have it already pulled up? I was. I'm gonna. No, I don't. I'm gonna. I don't have like the actual definition. I'm gonna pull of up the, par the definition of a paradox because now I'm feeling like mm -hmm. I don't even understand what a paradox is. Well, yeah. Like I said, based on kind of what paradoxes can be, like, dude, some of these math paradoxes, like Galileo had a freaking goddamn dude. It's Galileo's paradox of of the infinite. Oh my god, dude. My brain almost exploded reading that oh, one. Oh no. Like it wouldn't even be fun to talk about on here cuz it's not even it's all math and stuff. People but, would just be like, "Oh god, these guys are so horrible now." Yeah, these guys suck. Okay. So this says Wait. Miriam Webster. I love you, Miriam. And you, Webster. 
definition of paradox: a tenet contrary to received opinion. Uh, a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense and yet is perhaps true. Okay, so that's okay. Uh, a so, self-contradictory yeah. statement that at first seems true. So these are different. This is A, B, and C, basically. An mm-hmm. argument that apparently derives self-contradictory conclusions by valid deduction from acceptable premises. One such as a person, situation, or action having seemingly contradictory qualities or phases. Well, okay, so that one's I, I don't know, but but the so a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense and yet is perhaps true. So like that one, like this this highlighter is green. Therefore, all ravens are black. And you're like, well, that's contradictory or just doesn't even make it, sense. Yeah, it doesn't and even yet, make sense. And yet, it is perhaps true. Yeah, based on... Yeah. And same with the, the uh, true-false on a, on, a, on a card, you know. The statement on the other side is true. Right. Statement A. On the other side, statement B is the statement on the other side is false. Huh. Did you know the ancient Greeks were well aware that a paradox can take us outside our usual way of thinking? They combined the prefix para, beyond or outside of, with the verb dokian to think, forming paradoxos, an adjective meaning contrary to expectation. Latin speakers picked up the word and used it to create their noun paradoxum, which English speakers borrowed during the 1500s. Okay, well, that wasn't really that. I mean, 1540. The first known use of paradox was in 1540. So, okay. So, I think I'm understanding now how this, like, the whole Raven one, this could be a paradox. I, Ooh, I guess I, a lot one. of times I end up thinking about like paradoxes in the in the context of like uh, uh you know sci-fi time travel you know there could be a paradox so so actually so there's actually two other paradoxes that I was gonna say okay that that I I didn't have them written down it's just ones that I as I was doing research like I just remembered them and it might be just fun to like throw them out and see what you think mm-hmm. so one of them is. A time traveler. So the thing is, like, once you get into the time traveler ones, it's funny because all automatically you have already gone outside of our own universe anyway. So, like, again, most of these require, like, because right off the bat, this one you could just say, well, time travel isn't real. So that paradox is stupid. Right, right, right. Yeah. But if a time traveler took Hamlet, the book Hamlet, right? They go into into a library, they get the book Hamlet, they travel back in time, they give it to a gentleman, a young gentleman by the name of Shakespeare. He then reads it. He then plagiarizes the, the book and creates the play Hamlet, which then ends up back in the library. So who truly wrote Hamlet? Was it Shakespeare or was it some other person far before? Where does that land? Right, because Who's you're the now true creating a loop. And you're creating the an only, infinite loop. Like the, the only... 
yeah, the the origin of Shakespeare or the origin of Hamlet would have to take place outside of the loop. Right. In order for it to make sense. Otherwise, yeah, right. you're just in this never ending thing. I mean, they yeah. do it all the time in like TV shows where there's time travel and stuff where mm-hmm. they create this thing where it's like, you know, even happened in fucking Harry Potter. Yeah. You know, he's the one who shows up to do. And so that one, th- like those to me, those feel like they make sense, you know, yeah. because it's, it hurts your brain. It's very difficult to try to come to some conclusion about it because there's no, there's not really any conclusion. You're basically creating a a closed loop that you can't get out of. Right. But I can visualize it. I can see it, you know, like that makes sense to me. Or like the whole God thing of like creating an immovable object. Right. That makes sense to me. So here's another interesting one that's easy to visualize. And it is kind of fun because... And maybe this would be a good one to end on because I feel like we could argue this one. I don't know, not argue it, but yeah. like just see what you think, okay? So you have a ship, okay? You you make a boat. We'll just call it a boat because it'll be we're gonna do a hundred pieces of wood, okay? Okay. So you make this boat with exactly a hundred pieces of wood, and that's it, okay? Okay. And you call it whatever you want, like just pick a name. We call it the Whiskey Boys boat. Okay. okay? Over time. Over the period of however long you want, you know, let's say a year, five years, whatever, you individually replace a piece of wood and you put that piece of wood that you took off the boat one piece at a time into a shed, okay? Mm -hmm. Replacing it with a new piece of wood. Once you've replaced all 100 pieces of wood, so you now have the 100 newer pieces, at least over the course of time, on the boat, the Whiskey Boys boat. Yeah. You then reconstruct a boat out of the 100 that are in the shed. Yeah. That's now the original Whiskey Boys boat, or is it? Is the first boat still your original Whiskey Boys boat that you're still sailing on? Or is it the one that's now made out of the pieces that were in the shed that was actually the original boat itself? Is there... I mean, my first thought on that would be, like, yeah, it, like the 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 old pieces create like building it again means that that's your original boat. Like okay. that's what I would think. It would just be that like you need to like grab your like pants and stuff from the other boat and like bring them over, probably because you've been using that other boat. But like, I, I feel like there's a I, like right away my thought is like there must be there must be another. Like the boat almost seems like it doesn't it doesn't push into the paradox enough. Like there must be another application for this paradox that would that would sort of bring that about even more. Like like um No no no. The 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 thing the whole thing of the paradox is which one is the original boat. The boat that you're sailing on because all you did was replace, again, over time, all you did was replace pieces of wood. So you still had the original boat. So at what point does it no longer become the original boat? Oh, it's like the That's, sand thing. See, it's kind of like the sand thing. Yeah. It's, well, it's not like at what point, but it's not like you take 100 pieces of wood, you deconstruct it right away. We're talking like 10, 50, 100 years, whatever, sure, however yeah. long, right? Like 
you've just only all you've done is just replace an individual piece. You're like, oh, piece of wood here, pff, replace it. You're still in your original boat. But then after long enough time, you now have a bunch of extra pieces from your original boat. Mm. See? Mm. It, it's, it's a little weird. Like, you started thinking about it more, and it's like, I don't actually know. Yeah. Because, like, if you replace a part on your car, still your car. Right. You know? Yeah. So if you replace every single part of that car... Over the next, think about it like that. I guess, right? The car, the car makes feels like it almost makes more sense to me, right? Well, because it almost fits into the paradox more. Because, well, because it's tangible, you can actually think about it. Like in your Jeep, I can imagine like like driving. You keep replacing. So let's say you finally get to a point, twenty years down the road, where every single component in that Jeep has been replaced over the last twenty years. And we'll say, we'll say it like this: I have gone to the same shop. Every single time that I've needed to have a part replaced, and that mm-hmm. shop kept every single piece mm-hmm. when they were putting in the new one, and now Seats. they they come to me twenty years yep. later and say, "Look, we built your Jeep out of all the old parts." Yeah. See, so you're driving what has been your Jeep that was never not your Jeep. I would say, but then you see the old one, and that literally is. Your old Jeep. That literally is the Jeep that you started with. I would say, why did you charge me so much money to replace parts that clearly still work? <laughs> that clearly still work, you dickheads. That clearly still... You dick- that's the paradox. It's the mechan- all mechanics are dickheads. That's, that's right. The, that's that's right. the thing. Is it not... What is it? So all mechanics are dickheads. So anything that, that is, is not, not a, mechanic. a mechanic is not a dickhead. <laughs> not a dickhead. <laughs> we just combined two paradoxes, yeah, right. dude. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's that's good. <laughs> yeah, that would be okay. But at so that think point, about I would be way. at that point. I would be like, the fuck, like what? Yeah, what? I would be like, yeah, no, this is my Jeep. But how is that my Jeep? This is my, it, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, that it's a little more tangible when you do put it in. But it's essentially the same thing. It it's just you're putting it in more, more, you know, obvious for our day, you know, terms. Right. Um, yeah. Cause I but yeah, like, it's weird yeah. because you think about it and it's like, you know, so, and, and we're talking like you got a steering wheel replaced mm-hmm. and then a year later you get a seat replaced, whatever, mm-hmm. like. It's weird because you do think about it like, no, you're still driving your car. Like, it's still yours. Yeah. But then you see this one that has been made with all the other parts that now make up your entire vehicle again. And you go, well, yeah, that is my car. But like, because this in is my, my brain, car. this is my car. Yeah. In, so yeah. somehow I've ended up with two of my car. Like that, somehow. that actually is the original my car. Right. How is it, you know, it's like a, when a woman has twins and you're like, how could there be two of this baby? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> oh, my God. How can there be? T- <laughs> how can this? How is how can, how's there two? How could God let this happen? Why did God? How, how, how is there two of these babies? 
why did God fat finger the copy machine and accidentally <laughs> hit two instead of one on the... No, that's not... Why? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. White so Claw. So yeah, that, that's... Yeah. <laughs> White Claw. That's... uh. So, all right. There's got to be more paradoxes out there but i think this is a good the well so we hit the the truth one which is that's a big one the truth one is good object that was one that that i was that i was going to mention too yeah we have the the raven paradox which whether or not which does i mean that is truly a paradox right i mean yeah and it makes sense it it's a little weird the fletcher one i love the fletcher one but i can see why just it i still don't get it but it really the Fletcher one falls I it, to me it falls into the same category as the time traveler one where you already have to step out of our universe our reality to really try to like grasp it you know like obviously time travel isn't real obviously you can't just freeze time but if you think about it outside of those contexts it's a little more obvious right so yeah so i think i think i do better with like visual paradoxes too like if i can like because i feel like i've seen those a lot in the past you know it's almost like an optical illusion it's a paradox you know it's 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 an image that could never exist in real life because of the way that it you know like it's like that thing where like the square like Oh, more folds yeah. this way, but then it's also like this way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, like, it, like optical illusions. It's like kind of an optical way, illusion, like, but you can't find the end yeah. of it and stuff, whatever. Or, or like, the, or the three-legged elephant that has four legs if you look at it in one, but then it has three. Right? Like, have you ever seen that one? Like, yeah, or, yeah. Or the never-ending staircase. Yeah, like the never-ending staircase, or like even when I played, uh, like I feel like computers are really capable of creating paradoxes like visual paradoxes like i bet there's stuff where like in vr i could like you could have something that gets like put in front of your face that like you're like i don't know how to comprehend this because it looks real but like this isn't possible in real life you know what this what this is or even like um there's this game it's a very it's a classic game it's called portal and uh and oh yeah it's it's like a cult classic and it basically allows you to like use these portal guns to like shoot a portal so that you can like make your way through these obstacles and stuff these courses and different things but you can create paradoxes where like you you can be like watching through a portal yourself moving and you know so like right and and so that that stuff i can understand because it's a it's a computer generated visual representation of the paradox i think that was my issue with like the one with like with like the fletcher one or whatever where i was like i just i can't visualize how this is a paradox you know but yeah but uh yeah pretty pretty crazy Pretty yeah, crazy. it's it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, diving into the Mandela effect, which is fascinating to me as well. Which is a totally different thing. But we talked about that at one like, point. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, yeah, we did talk about that at some point. But 
you know, like that one is really interesting too. And, and they all kind of like, just like the brain teasers, the things kind of like if you, if you think about infinity, mm-hmm. it, it just hurts your brain. Like thinking about something never ending. Right. It's impossible. It's impossible to hu- for the human brain to wrap its head around. You yeah. Know, like you just can't do it. The so m- it's. The mind has to wrap around the foot. Nice. Do you remember? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no. Oh wait. Oh, uh, the office. The coal walk. Um, what? The coal walk. The coal walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was gonna say the office went. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Beach yeah. day. Mine has to. The mind has to wrap around the foot. You can't wrap your mind around things that don't exist, like stuff that's endless. Yeah. We don't get it, you know? Yeah. Can't. God pulling a muscle because he created a block that he can't move. It makes no sense. No. Because he could just make it so that his muscles don't get pulled. And, that, right. and so that he can move stuff that can't be moved. But then God made that. So what are you going to say that like, oh, you're stronger than God? You are God. <laughs> are you are you big man you think you're gonna move this rock god made that rock and he made it immovable oh you say you god so you can move it tough luck bud god made that immovable rock so tough luck bud oh you're oh but you're god so you can move anything even immovable stuff give it a try oh you you moved it guess god isn't Able to create immovable stuff. Wait. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> oh god. I like la- see that one to me is the is the best. I feel like that one is the best intro paradox for somebody. Because it 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 just immediately puts you into the into the paradox like right away, you know? Where like right. You, it's just right off the bat. You're like, I don't get it. How can it be both things? You know? Yeah. Well, it's hard too, though, because some of the, like I said, some of the paradoxes are really complex and some of them are very easy to understand. I'm going to have to but go look easier, at some of these. But the yeah. easier to understand paradoxes are the ones that aren't quite as fun to think like i mean that one granted that one is easy to like say and wrap your head around but like the raven paradox it yeah it takes time to like think about it and read it and understand it yeah that's and the fletcher paradox it takes a long time to read it and like put together what it is whereas like the sand one or the card one you know with the statement true and false those are like easy to just say and visualize or the car one you know where like the boat one car slash boat yeah whiskey boy yeah the car yeah like that one is it's so it's weird. Like it's almost like the more complex the paradox, the harder it is to understand. Like and like I said, there's so many that are freaking out there that really, when you do read them, you're like, that's that's crazy. But it they're just mathematically they're just really hard to try to grasp on on a podcast. Yeah, without seeing the numbers, right? And like you know, like the tortoise and the hare, like they have one about that. Like there's, dude, there's like some crazy paradoxes. And then there's one of like the probability of 
of a family with two kids, the like what their actual odds of having like boy and girl or girl and boy or boy and boy and girl and girl are. It's really weird, man. Whoa. Like some of those are just freaking nuts. Like I'm gonna have to dig around in these because this is like pretty. They're fascinating. Yeah, I feel like. But it, like I said, like I, I legit, I had to choose ones that like I could read and also like right. convey on the podcast. Because like if you want. Go ahead and look up paradoxes yourself because it's fucking cool. It's just and you dude, listener, talking about like you should go listen, yeah. go look them up too. Yeah, while enjoying whiskey. Link in the description. And because guess what? And guess what? If you do it while you're drunk, it's going to be even better. Yeah, because it's going to be even that. You'll much be glad you did. Whether you look up paradoxes or not, you'll be glad you got drunk. There are two types of folk. There are those that ain't, and there are those that are knee high on a grass topper. Which type ain't you ain't? Which type ain't you ain't? Get up now. Y'all come <laughs> back now. Y'all y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs> you know what that means? Yes. Listen. We here's a paradox for you. Things are getting quieter and louder at the same time. Sometimes the loudest things are the quietest. Some, this podcast will never end if, if you just keep rewinding it and listening to it again. The silence is I deafening. I don't get this. <laughs> Think about that one. That's a, that's a paradox. Silence is deafening. Think about golden girls. Golden grams. Golden grams. I don't get this. Small things. Beads. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> ball bearings <laughs> okay that'll do All it right, that's that gonna good. do it for this one that'll do it thank you for listening right, and we will see you all next week catch you on the flippity flip catch you on the flippity flip <laughs>